Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate your taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. And joining us is Stephen Still, Professor of Practice at the Stephen Still Institute for Sustainable Transportation and Logistics at the University of Buffalo. Thanks for jumping on with us, Steve. Pleasure. Boy, that title sounds great. I mean, Jesus, that, that, is a, that is a great title. Mouthful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great title. Doesn't get better than that. Doesn't get better than that. Well, this past week, the fourth annual Princeton Smart Driving Car Summit wrapped up after 16 90-minute live sessions that took place weekly online. And the wrap-up title was Making It Happen. Alan, you presented a proposal for providing affordable, high-quality, on-demand mobility for all in the Trentons of this world, and it ties in very, very well with what Stephen and other researchers and partners are doing in Buffalo. Stephen, give us an overview to start with of what's taking shape there. Yeah, sure. We're very blessed that we have an $8 million grant from the U.S. DOT specifically focused on complete trips and complete trips for those that are particularly mobility challenged. And Alan, that's been a big focus of yours. And, um, you know, we're really pleased that uh, the government leadership has recognized how important it is to provide mobility for all, not just uh, those that can afford cars and the one percenters. And, um, you know, so very good public policy in this case. Yeah, so we're now in the planning phase of a multi-phase project. Um, And, you know, this isn't just writing a report and throwing it on the shelf. This is true implementation. So um, we have, uh, you know, several parts of technology that'll come into play. Um, But it's, it's customer focused and that's what makes this really exciting. It's for those that are physically challenged, for those that are mentally challenged, really for the low income, which uh, downtown Buffalo, like downtown Trenton, we'll be discussing that I'm sure, has lots of income challenges. And that's that's our target consumer in this case. And they're far too often overlooked. And this project um, intends in in that operational design domain, which we'll discuss, um, you know, hopes to um, solve mobility problems for these people. Well, Steve, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm of course, so damn proud of you for doing that. Can't, can't believe how proud I am for you doing that. In fact, is, uh, is very much, um, you know, what, what I, what I've been trying to promote whatever in in whatever places and it's really nice to see that that this is the focus this is what you're doing and you're doing it in you know one of the trentons of this world you know buffalo and so on and it's it is it's it's to me as as we've been discussing for now years and as we've been talking this is where where the opportunity is this is where the real improvement in quality of life is if you if you if you put in delta something you would expect a delta out 
and you know you put in a delta over here and what does it improve those of us that have been you know very fortunate in these cases knock on wood and we're all you know all ple- you know somehow can't believe that in fact we were so blessed but the delta for us isn't what it can be for for some others and the focus this on the people on the individuals uh, who could benefit most from it to me seems to be the obvious place to start and once you do that then of course come around to it for for us too but 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 darn it uh don't start with us yeah so in so in our case the operational design domain we we won't mention level four and things like that yeah yeah of course yeah yeah yeah, of course you know that's where the technology is right so one component of this is automated shuttles and an ODD, which is focus is the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus. It's a 120 acre site in downtown Buffalo, has seven major uh, facilities, including Buffalo General Hospital, the UB Medical Campus, uh, many other leading hospitals, and you know, you know that that's a nexus of transportation challenges. People that are coming to medical centers often have mobility challenges and certainly medical issues to deal with. And uh, you know, so we're taking a very holistic view here. Um, you know, realizing that it's not really just a last mile problem in this case; it's probably a last foot problem. Right. I mean, you have to get people yeah. from you have to get them across intersections. You have to get them you know, on a sidewalk um, and you have to make sure the entrances are accessible. And then even when you're in the facilities, how do you navigate these complex uh, you know, hospital facilities? So, um, you know, one important element of this is an integrated app that does wayfinding um and navigation with uh, with the intended audience in mind so it's uh, you know it's an app that has to work for the sightless and uh, you know hearing impaired and you know and lots of other physical um challenges yeah and as, as you know we we've we've been involved with uh, you and me and whatever for a very long time just in ter- you know was turn-by-turn navigation, whether it be in a car or in a walk or in a bicycle or whatever, the, the, the having of the ability uh, to get some help as to how to get from where you are to where you want to go in the pieces that, that you can manage, whether it's a driving a car, walking or whatever, or moving a wheelchair or something like that. It's always been, I mean, was always important. I mean, I guess I, I, re, I recall back, uh, you know, arguing that, you know, these turn by turn navigation systems were really, um, were really the, the uh, uh, something that was for people that never went anywhere. And, you know, I think I was asked by the, by the head of GM research at some conference, Alan, what the hell are you talking about? Or something like that. Probably didn't say what the hell, but whatever it is. And, you know, what was that? I said, you know, the reason why why people don't don't go anywhere is because they're afraid of getting lost, or they're they're afraid of not not getting there, or afraid of not what whatever. And this thing is like liberating. They'll be able to get there. They'll be able to get home. They won't have to worry about not getting home. 
or you show up in one of these facilities and you don't know where to go. And so if this thing helps you get to where you're going, all of a sudden you might be more inclined to go there. And as we know, with a, with a lot of people that are economically challenged, you know, they tend to not go to the doctor. Now, whether or not there's a correlation or, or, or there's a cause and effect there, who knows? But they, the answer is they don't. And if all of a sudden, first, they have an easy way to get there, an inexpensive way, a no big deal way. They don't need a PhD in, 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 in reading a, a damn schedule. I mean, I mean, I've ever, every time I look at the New, New Jersey train schedules out there at Princeton Junction, I'm there holding back, bro. I've got to, I, I, I miss too many classes. I, I'm challenged. I mean, you know, make it easy on folks. In a sense, you know, that's that's what you were talking about is pieces of this thing. The, the getting between the big pieces, the last mile stuff, or maybe the first 12 miles, you know, and then the last 50 feet. The opportunity one has at the location is that you can look, they tend to be attractions. Lots of folks tend to come there. Okay, so you can afford to have a person there helping. Okay, you just can't have a person helping on all the many ways that people get there. Otherwise, you need too many people. You can't afford it. You don't have enough money. Okay, where now you have a computer door to the view, da da da, ba ba boom. You know, it's true. I don't know. So, yeah, back to one of the themes here is. you know why why Trenton why Buffalo it's it's really a good size to really wrap your hands around this because in Buffalo we know who the advocacy groups are for the mobility challenge communities the, those uh, those communities have already been built up and we know who the spokespeople are and the organizations are I think uh, you know we're where San Francisco and New York City and Miami were, uh, it's just harder to wrap your hands around all that and you know get the right people at the table. But you know, Buffalo is not small. It's the 50th biggest metro in the country. It's there with Hartford and New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a reasonable size, but you know, it's big enough. It's the right size to manage, and I'm sure you feel the same about Trent. Yeah, and Trenton's even a little smaller. And when you look at 50th and 100th or whatever, if you go from 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 15th to 250th, or let's call it 265th, you have 250 communities that you can work with. Okay, the individual groups we had in the session on on Thursday, we we had Fred Payne from Greenville, you know, Fred's been out there just like you beating his head against uh, against the wall, you know, getting these groups. But again, it's organizable. It's manageable. My goodness, it's it's a it's a real place to start as opposed to saying I'm going to go do San Francisco. And if I do you know, I'm going to do a Frank Sinatra. You know, if you can do it in New York, you can do it in full. Okay, on this one, I think if you can do it in Buffalo, you can do it in Trenton, you can do it in all the important places. New York. Do you have any idea? Of, I'm Go sorry. Ahead, Rick. Go ahead. I was going to ask. 
Do you have any thoughts about when you expect to have this operational and how many vehicles it's going to take? Or are we too too early? Here? Yeah, well, it's we're, we're, we're in the planning stage, but, uh, you know, the planning stage is is pretty sporty. It's it's one year. So there's a lot of work to do in that time frame. And so the planning phase gets to exactly what you talk about, uh, you know, have to get the app um, developed. There are already some good platforms uh, that we'll build off of. Um, yeah, we have to contact the autonomous shuttle providers. And um, um, yeah, we're still working out the routing and scheduling. Right, it's a level of service problem, right, Alan? I mean, it's uh, a level of service are we problem. Doing, are we doing five minute headways or, you know, demand responsive and the number of vehicles? you know, come, comes out of the math and, and what, how big is the operational design domain? Will it be a fair based system, do you think? Or is this something that uh, the grant is providing the, the funding? Yeah, to, to, to be worked out, you know, we're in partner, we have many partners. Uh, the local transit agency is a very important one, the NFTA. And, uh, you know, the city and others are worked out. But um, yeah, there's, you know, there's uh, some, social um, social benefits associated with this. So I very much think, um, you know, various governments, um, you know, need, will be at the table to step up and make sure this is affordable. Um, yeah, that, that's sort of, you know, it's sort of where I've evolved with, with respect to Trenton and so on. I, I, I don't, you know, the, the, those kinds of issues are sort of what people, the answers people want. We are still in taking the first step. Uh, we can see the vision out there. We can we can put out what the grand and say, hey, with, as I said with my class, we deal with the whole damn nation. 1.2 billion trips a day. That they do if you're dealing with students in class with Al Grant, man, you run the optimization. Twenty million vehicles running around. Okay, great. You know, wonderful. That's where we want. Problem is taking the first step. And in a sense, you know, is sort of I've, I've sort of praised Waymo with respect to Chandler. They're out there. They're doing it. Uh, they they had. Of course, you do it with drivers in the beginning. We're not out here swashbuckling to talk about how great our technology is. Who? I mean, the technology. We like to talk about it, but that's not the issue. Is how well do we move people? How are their lives improved? Okay, and in the beginning, we have to find ways to improve their lives, know where to take them, know where they, they want to go, not where we want to go, where they want to go, and make that, get that way. If it requires drivers in the beginning, so what? It's an upfront cost. And we know with upfront costs, as long as they don't continue on, you know, as long as you can get to, you know, low marginal costs out of that, who cares what the front costs? That's that's what all these funding agencies are supposed to help us out with. That's why we put them out there to, to do the front end risk and, and let us work these things out so that we get to us to a sustainable point that doesn't require us to go back all the time. Alms for the poor, alms for the poor. Give me more money because we have to be focused on getting to a point in which the marginal costs of doing this thing compared to the marginal value that we're creating, the marginal cost is very small compared to the marginal value, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah, and actually another part of the ODD I didn't mention is something called the Fruit Belt in Buffalo. It gets its name, all the street names are lemons and limes. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. It's 47% it's, it's carless um, area. Um, I think the average household income is, is less than $30,000. And I'm sure we can go to some part of Trenton and find the same demographics. Exactly what we did, exactly what we started with. We first looked at where, where are the, not only the, the carless families, but the, the, the families with one car. And I like to argue if you're a four-person family with one car, what the hell do the other three people do? Okay. Oh, they get chauffeured by the first one. You know, that works for a while. But the first one's got stuff to do. Okay. So. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it's probably would have been easier to take this to uh, Williamsville, the rich suburb in Buffalo. <laughs> and um, you know, where all the, all the lane markings are nice and... Um, and everything else but yeah that's not where the need is it's, it's uh, not where the need is and then you have to put up with them i mean we could have come to princeton i mean you know whatever oh well da, 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 it's not as good as my bentley well i don't know i mean get out of my face please okay i mean i, I don't know i guess i've sat through too many of those meetings they don't allow me in them anymore so <laughs> Whatever, Stephen, you've had some experience uh, at the University of Buffalo already, right? With local motors up there, yeah, that is, vehicles? that is correct. Yeah, that's that. Would, that was very fortunate that we've now for two years had um had an Ollie shuttle um on on certain roads in the UB um, North Campus. Now, I you know regulation is uh is uh you know exciting topic to get into and. You know, Alan, just following your blog, it's not often you see lots of stories coming out of New York State about, you know, the latest, uh, the latest testing and trials. New York State's tough, and that's part of this project to, um, to work with advocates to get some regulations changed. Uh, we have good pol political support as it is, but there's a lot of archaic laws in New York State that how you define a vehicle and those definitions say there must be a steering wheel and, you know, and along those lines and uh, something like the Ollie shuttle doesn't cleanly fit into those definitions of a vehicle where it has a joystick, not a steering wheel. So, you know, I, the way we got around this, the way Autonomous Ride got around it on the Brooklyn Navy Yard is their private roads. They're designated as private roads. And so that's been the test bed so far that we've had to deal with, but that's not going to work. Um, you know, with this project and going forward, we need the right regulations in place. And um, yeah, some realization that Hey, you know, you want to be part of this, all this excitement. Yeah, you need you need to come to the table and make the laws. Um, um, yeah. Well, one of the ways that I, I tried to handle it was, let me see, these roads are owned and maintained by this local government. They can't specify what the heck goes on there. And just because, you know, the county or the state or the federal government says, oh, no, no, whose roads are these anyway? I mean, really? Um, the locale, oh, well, they're too, too um, I don't know what the implication, oh, they can't possibly, oh, you know, no, nah, 
uh, whatever. I, did, I must admit, I didn't get very far with that argument. But my goodness, these are these are local roads. If I go to, if I look in Princeton, Cleveland Lane, the road in front of my house is is the local road. Now, what the heck does a county have sticking its nose into it? Now, if, if we have to cross 206, I realize that maybe you need to talk to a Fed. But there are some folks out there talking about that maybe some of these regulations, you know, don't adhere as long as you, you're not on a federal road uh, or whatever for too long. And I think, uh, you know, two sessions ago with with Jeff Barnes of Florida, that's what Florida is trying to suggest. They're trying to suggest, yeah, thank you, federal government, for doing this. But, you know, just across your U.S. whatever, 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 darn it, uh, uh, you know, please, this is our community. And so I... In some sense, some of these things, yes, on, on the New York State throughway, maybe you do need a steering wheel. Okay, New York State, thank you. But, you know, in, in, in a local Buffalo neighborhood, um, uh, talk to me here. I don't know, but that's why I don't get asked to meetings yeah, very often. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, why this all takes partnerships, and uh, I think we have good partnerships with the city of Buffalo and... Yeah, you know, the state, and you know how the political yeah. part works, right? You get some politicians that are, you know, really on your side, want to work hard, and it's it's just a tough discussion to have at the state legislatures. That's yeah, it's topics that are not well understood broadly, and um, so yeah, there's yeah, and they, they have a lot of other issues, and you you bring this one up, and you know they're all up to here and everything else they have to deal with what the heck, you know, and so on. So uh, not blaming them, but in some sense, maybe they should look, look and say, maybe we, we need, we, we don't need to be looking so closely at what they're, what they're doing. Maybe. Okay. I, you know. is, it, is there a lack of understanding of how life changing this technology can be for so many people when you talk about the, the, you know, the political environment? Yeah, it's a good question. I think you have to tell the stories over and over again. There's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of compete competition for politicians' ears, as you yeah, see. Yeah, doing, but, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the more you tell the stories, they, they really see, gee, this, uh, this has tremendous benefit. Um, yeah, we think we, uh, you know, we've all seen the surveys that, you know, there's, there's, there's some level of fear about this technology. That all has to be overcome. Um, the more yeah. successful deployments we have, the, the better that's all going to be. I guess that's kind of where I'm sort of evolving to with this is, is to, first of all, out of this, uh, move away from the technology being the center of the discussion. The center of the discussion should be the operational design domain. Where are you doing this and the level of service that you're offering? And in fact, uh, kind of what I was trying to, promote on on thursday in the session was was really uh, as as is still being done was being done in chandler and in phoenix you know waymo's out there with you know they could have been yugos i mean who knows no technology vehicles out there with drivers providing mobility what's it look like it looks like uber lyft we all know what uber lyft looks like except maybe it's an improved Uber Lyft that has a little bit more ride sharing that's on it because sort of kind of to me where Uber and Lyft have evolved is, you know, it's, it's a private taxi ride. 
And in fact, in fact, it's a cheap taxi ride because because I'm taking advantage of the driver who's in desperate situation, wanting to make you know any amount of money that, that he or she can, and is out there, and therefore I'm you know they're being underpaid. They're not being they're not they're not earning a living wage, and it's sort of unfortunate the corner that that's been painted there. But in fact, you know, if we could figure out how you and I could ride together uh, on, in a vehicle, we could boat chip in that little fare. And that's twice the money that that person would earn. You know, we put Fred in there three times. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes it could, could become close to a living wage. But it's got to, got to get to that point. Or, you know, at some point, once we provide that mobility, maybe all this stuff gets good enough that that that, dri that driver can go somewhere else and expand our operational design to them maybe because now whatever the, the the snake oil that we've been developing works in here and, and we can replace it with a computer you know with everyday astronaut or whatever you know da -da -da. and that as i argued that computer does doesn't have a family to feed doesn't have a kid to send to college. Doesn't have a kid to send to basketball camp so that the kid can get a scholarship to go to Kentucky or something. Okay, yeah. and and all of a sudden, you know, here you are. Now you can do this affordably to people. Maybe if you do it affordably, maybe somebody can even make money delivering it affordably. Then we just have to let that person go out and make money. And we deliver the mobility affordably to everybody. Um, I mean, I guess that's that's the the existing dream or something that that is emerging, at least to me, out of this. So in the beginning, it's not about the technology; it's about the service. Yeah. And part of the problem with the service out there in these communities, in in the the what is it, the, the fruit stand that you said, or the fruit, fruit belt? Yes. For the fruit belt, is that you know the the buses don't come often enough because yep. yeah. you can't afford to put them out there often enough. It's not that nobody wants, not doesn't want to put the buses out there. Not that nobody doesn't want to give on-demand origin to destination service. It's just sure. And the, the big the, fancy supermarkets, the Wegmans and Tops of Buffalo. Guess what? They're not in the fruit belt, right? They're, they're not in the there's, fruit there's belt. Seven on eleven, and you know you can go get chips and uh, and, and coke, and that's um, my goodness. And giving them a chance to go to to go to a, a, a Costco or someplace, or you know, or Walmart, or even a Walmart. Where I mean, Walmart's done a great job creating, providing very affordable, more affordable things to a lot more people. But guess what? Accessibility to Walmart must be only, I mean, 110% cars. I mean, it's greater than 100. How do you get to a Walmart? Except, I mean, there used to be a Walmart at Nassau, Nassau Park Shopping Center. They did have a bus, New Jersey Transit actually had a bus stop in, New, in, 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 in that shopping center. But the walk that you had to make to go, <laughs> so how many people showed up at Walmart there, you know, using New Jersey Transit bus? 0.01%, 0.001%. Yeah. 
You know, well, yeah. it's a shame. We're going to be back with more, but first, uh, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. You may know ETFs uh, can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast and our guest, Stephen Still. Alan, let's turn to the proposal you presented for providing affordable, high-quality, on-demand mobility for all in the Trentons of this world. This uh, was just a few days ago at the final session of the Smart Driving Cars Summit. Yeah, and I think I've talked about it a little bit uh, up to now. I, you know, the, the idea is, is the idea is, is really to, to find a, a bunch of a, a number of autonomous taxi stops around the community, which are very near to where people are coming from and going to. As, as Steve mentioned, you know the um, the, the the fruit bowl, fruit bowl, <laughs> whatever uh, you know, oh, yeah. fruit belt. Um, areas, uh, you know, in places where people live. In a sense, as Steve very well pointed out in the beginning, the, the, the people that, that really have been left behind by the automobile, and there have been a number of them. And and, and it's not just an infinitesimal group. And the way that we go and try to understand this, is, as Steve has done with respect to auto ownership, Auto ownership, you know, reflects a lot of things. If you're in Manhattan, okay, you don't have an odd, odd car because you happen to have a five-story, uh, you know, townhouse brownstone, and and it doesn't have a garage. But holy mackerel, you have so much money, you have you have chauffeurs living all around. It's almost like being in Downton Abbey, you know, you have your chauffeur to take you. In these places, you the reason why. You know, the, uh, the auto ownership is as low as because, unfortunately, um, geez, it's, yeah. uh, no, they're it's economic, to, you know, go yeah, ahead, Steve. To bring up, the, you know, the Amazon case that uh, you've mentioned before in your work, right? Buffalo has its Amazon facilities, but it's out in it's out in uh, Hamburg. The new one's being built. Yeah. Not trans, you know, so they pay $15 yeah. an hour. I'm sure the residents of the fruit belt would love to get out there but there's no there's no choice chance there's no chance and and to do that to get out there and 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 i think look amazon you know i, I haven't weighed in on the discussion with as to whether amazon union should be unionized or not unionized you know and and Jeff is a Princeton grad a school of engineering 86 well that da, 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 but and so on but but as I look at it, the you know the the setting of the minimum wage at Amazon at fifteen bucks is not a is is a pretty darn good start. Not not a whole lot of other folks have really stepped out and, and done that. Now, fifteen bucks an hour is not really a living wage when you really look at it. I mean, holy hell! If I had to survive on 15, 15 bucks an hour, I wouldn't. Although I think I did it at one point, I would never mind. But whatever, that's that's um, knock on wood. We're some wood here, but whatever. Um, 
but that's a start. But how do people get there? And and they're not located where the people live. Why? Because you know, of course not. You got you need facilities. No way you're going to do a location decision on a on a warehouse distribution, whatever. And the thing here, Amazon is a, a computer company. That's the second largest employer in the United States. How the hell did we get from Silicon Valley to the second largest only? And guess what? Most of those jobs are this is somewhat of a blue blue collar jobs. Okay. And guess what? They can't do. They can't use this thing. They can't use. They have. They have to go to work. They can't stay at home. Yeah. They need the mobility. Yeah. Okay. And and every one of the systems that we built, uh, everyone, essentially every one of the systems that we built, the 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 the, the light rail, the whatever, the the BRTs, the whatever, have been focused on people who guess what? Or white collar who could who through the pandemic where everyone stay home and do everything they need to do. The Amazon worker had to get to work. And there's no, in the mobility system for them to get there, nobody, whoa, we didn't put any money in that. And we're looking to do what with the infrastructure bill? Want build more of this stuff to get people to work that could be doing it from home or from some local whatever, you know, in there and, and walk to there. Are you, if you got to dig a ditch, you got to go to where the ditch is being dug. Talk to me here, Steve. I mean, you know, seems like I don't know. And I, I think that's what the focus should be. And guess what? If you put it in these things that don't care where they go, that don't care where they pick you up, don't care when you need to go, whether or not it's the night shift, day shift, the day shift. The operational design domain of that entity allows you to get these people to where they need. I mean, at least some amount of money needs to go in the beginning to deal with this. And while we're all getting the the stuff to really work, if we don't get it to work, if it isn't safe, if it goes and crashes, if it people don't like it, if whatever, then okay, we fail. But at least, you know, we can we can do a lot of figuring out what it is that we need these things to do, which I'm not sure that we know yet. We can do that with people up and down front. Expand that. That was yeah, the I, I don't think it means transit goes away. I think it can make transit more effective. They can it, it is transit. Why do people it drives me nuts? It is transit. Transit sure. is transit is moving people. Yeah, of course. Okay, as opposed but, to people moving themselves. Yeah, but that's you what can it is. Existing transit technology, you know, uh, the buses uh, can be the line, the, the line hall, hub to hub sort of things. And, yeah, where where you have hey these things these things if we do it in Trenton aren't all of a sudden going to go across the Lincoln Tunnel and take people to Manhattan? Right. No, nobody's even thinking of that. Yeah. Take them to the Trenton train station; they can hop on New Jersey Transit and get on a train. Okay, there are enough trains, and in fact, if you you know, you there's no reason why New Jersey Transit can't run trains to Manhattan instead of every half hour, every ten minutes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Make them smaller. Make them whatever. Put your money in the tunnel. Improve the station in New York so it can eat it. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Do that. The people then will have to get there. 
because guess what? They're only, I don't know, and we're in a small 10 or so, dozen, 12, 14 stations along where you want to stop to pick up people. Okay, you got to get people there. You're going to make have parking lots. We have this wonderful park and ride system of, of express buses that use the XBL in the morning, probably the most efficient quarter transit uh, 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 reverse bus lane in the world. Okay. You know, that uses no technology, although it could use a little technology and so on, coming from all these park and ride lots. <sighs> Gotta have a car to get to the park and ride lot. Uh, I mean, are you joking? Why not pick, pick up the, the, the little operation in the Trentons of this world? I mean, let's do Let's think. And we can do it right now with just people driving. Pay them. Pay them the living wage in a couple of places. Get the technology to work. And then you also have to try new ones and they'll continue to have their jobs and exactly what you're doing in, in Buffalo. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan, Alan you've talked repeatedly about the need to get input from the communities to find out what their needs are from the people. Maybe Stephen can tell us what the, what the approach is there in, yeah. in Buffalo to in developing the system that, that you have in, in yeah. mind that you proposed. Yeah, there, there's been actually some some good history there. I mean, Alan, you know, if we, when we think about it, uh, you know, who develops autonomous vehicles uh, correctly, you might think the mechanical engineers, you know, sort of figure out the vehicle part and the guys over in computer science figure out the software. But, you know, the, I, I've found out and I've been educated, the most important people at the table are architects and urban planners. And those people have been doing at Buffalo have been doing accessible design, universal design for a number of years. And there's been long relationships with the uh, community in Buffalo. Um, These advocacy groups we talked about earlier that advocate for the sightless or the hearing impaired or other mobility impaired, low income neighborhood groups. and they've had those relationships for years. So in this particular case, that's helped our particular project, you know, really, uh, really have a leg up and that those relationships already exist. And beyond, beyond the leaders, is there a need to get into the communities themselves and, and hear from the people? You know, I, I think within the ODD, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Fruit Belt has had some uh, vocal community leaders and, you know, that's that's an important part to engage with those um, with those communities. It turns out they're already organized because there have been various redevelopment projects proposed, and you know, some of them probably aren't may not be consistent with the neighborhood. So there have been lots of debates about that. So the 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 community is already engaged, uh, you know, in these sort of public forum. And, uh, and if they're involved with the, in the development stage then the community acceptance just follows right along. It's not something you have to campaign yeah. for necessarily so hard and, and work for. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Just You can't just dictate, here it is, um, you know, we want you to like it. Yeah, be at the table from the beginning, be part of the design. We, we aren't very good at dictate. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't bring in politics. You know, we tried to dictate in Afghanistan. I, I don't know. Not, not that that whatever. I guess we're walking. Jeez. But, you know, we shouldn't be dictating to the to to 
to the people here. Uh, you know that they should. We should. The sociology of this thing is so important at this time. Okay, and it's not that the mechanical engineers and the computer scientists, whatever. You know, when you're on here on your as we all know. Hey, when I'm on my computer, I I don't. How much do I see? Like you know, talk about the last inches here that's about the perspective you've got to get down to the community and see what do they what will make their, what do they think will make their lives better because that's what this is all about it's about that it's not about the technology it's not about oh my goodness that they do we have only one dis disengagement per gazillion i mean who who care okay yeah you got to be safe okay you're not safe Get out! You, you 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 don't even don't, don't bother showing up, okay? But just being safe isn't good enough. You've got to do what you've got to be doing, doing what it is you're trying to do, which is help people. You gotta know. You have to know what the what they want, not what you think they want. Well, I think well they should have. To be, I mean, who who cares what I think on that one? Although the technology is pretty cool. Before the call, Anna, I was relating a story that I followed around a Waymo van in Chandler, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was yeah. the first vehicle at a red light, you know, make it, wanted to make a left turn, light's red, and the light turns green and it doesn't go, right? So you think, well, let's lay on the horn. But two cars blew through that red light, and then Waymo went. So... Yeah, absolutely. Safety's everything. Uh, and, and and it it, and it knew it knew it knew. And here, I, I mean, I, I, if I would have been behind, I'd been on the horn. I'm I'm gonna. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa I didn't see that. Yeah. <sighs> it knew. Oh man, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, hey, so. but you know, and and hey, it is great that. that we're getting close, if it were not already there, that Waymo actually didn't know. They weren't lucky. They did the right thing. Okay? Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, now, now people have to begin to appreciate it as opposed to me being behind them on the horn. What the hell? They don't know how to drive. What does matter? They're following the speed limit. What the hell? You know, you know, or all those, I mean... And, and you have to earn that respect. And you can't just tell people. I think you have to go out there and do it. And you have to, you have to, you have to not necessarily, you know, trumpet it. Just, just sit there and do it. They weren't trumpeting it, trumpeting it to you, right? Yeah. They just yeah. did it. They did their homework for. They did their homework, right? They showed up. Yeah. They showed up. They did their homework, and and. What did that do for you? Well, he said, holy hell, this shit's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what the, the people in the neighborhoods, the people that use it, the people, they have, if they don't have that respect for it, as I've said, it's not going to happen. They're not going to show up and they're going to make sure it's not in their neighborhood. It's their neighborhood. Yeah. They get to make the call. 
Yeah, and when it's when it's new, yeah, maybe you need the safety steward for some point in time. Right? Absolutely, you I mean, do. Let's, let's hope that disappears at some point so we can get it to 50 cents a mile, 25 cents a mile. But although yeah. in the case of the mobility challenge, I mean, maybe we need a different kind of person on board. It's not somebody who's a safety steward, but um, somebody who's trained in the medical profession, a, so a social worker. Uh, you, you need some, you, hey, right now we need two people on board. You still need that person on board to take care of that person. You now need to have a driver. And to think that the driver could, could, could multitask, I don't know, you know, I guess. All my students think they can multitask. I don't know. Maybe they can. I know I can't multitask. Okay. I, I am just, I just can't. Okay. And you can't expect a driver. I don't know how you can expect today a driver to also take care of the person. Okay. I mean, that's, if they're driving, they're not taking care of that person. Okay. So I guess you didn't need anybody to take care of the person. If you tell me you need somebody to take care of the person, then you better have two people in there right now. Okay? And if you can replace one of them with a computer, then great. Okay? Yeah. All right? And, and you know, and, and talk about where, you know, all this for, for the people that have to use that right now, it's, it's so darn expensive. Because really, you have to provide two people. Yep. Yeah. Whereas you would only have had to, only have to provide one. Yeah, yeah. I think we've you know we've all Half. seen the figures what it costs to provide paratransit. It's not uh, what it's sixty it's bucks not. a ride. I think is the number in New Jersey. Sixty bucks a ride. Okay, yeah. and you would think, holy mackerel! I mean, Uber's not a taxi. A black car is not not a limo, limousine's not that expensive. Yeah. You know. And, and for what kind of service? What's the time window? What is the opportunity cost of the person that has to sit around all day or the place where they go to have to have such flexible scheduling because they don't know when these people are going to arrive and whatever and do, do, do. And so therefore, and then make a wait not to do. I mean, if you ever, you know, ran through a level of service measure on that, you'd be appalled by the number you would come up with. And that's where this can all make a difference. It Alan, makes a fundamental difference. Yes. Yes. Let, let's touch on a couple of headlines from the sure. Smart Driving Cars newsletter coming out. Uh, Tesla owners can now use an app to see how much solar or coal is powering their vehicles. Uh, well, I know I happen to know Steve <laughs> owns a Tesla. Okay. All right. And I've ridden in it with him. Okay. And I, and he also told me about the fact that it turns uh, the, the brakes sometimes come on when he passes an overhead sign on Tesla Road or something in Buffalo, right, Steve, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you, you know the answer. You don't need an app. 100% cold. And the reason it's 100% well, it, cold is... It really is, depends on, on where you are. No, I don't believe... Well, a little bit, because there are some places where it would be really tough and really waste a lot of energy to to uh to uh not to get coal to you and therefore maybe but look you it's have some marginal. hydro and, and some uh 
and some nuclear up your way. Yeah, 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 of course we do, but it's already called for. It's already being used in society. I've taken my internal combustion engine car and I've converted to an electric car. I used to use Saudi Arabian oil. Now I need to use something new, electricity. I now go to the electric company, give me electricity. They look at, do, 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 they have gas here, they have, do, 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 do. holy mackerel, you know, if you don't, when you weren't calling, we turned down this coal plant so it wouldn't use as much because we had all this wind and stuff coming in and we could shut her down. Now you come to me and you say, I need some electrons. What's that person going to do? The only thing they can do, the only variable that they have, the only tweet they have is turn up the coal. The marginal energy is coming from coal. Else, you would turn down the coal plant because that's the most polluting. If I didn't need it, I'd turn that down if I'm a good you know, utility operator. So it's, I, I don't get to use the average. Sub I have to use the margin. I'm the marginal user. Now, go ahead, Steve. Talk to me. In, except in Buffalo, which is, I think, the last I checked, the cleanest place in the country to have an EV. <laughs> I agree. I mean, what do you have? You you have, oh, you the have Niagara. No, you have Niagara Falls. Oh. Uh, the power plants have been there since 1920. Yeah, you, you in Las Vegas. Oh, right. Yeah. Hey, the only reason Las here. Vegas is where Las Vegas is. Is because of the Hoover Dam. Who in the hell would light up all that light and all that stuff and whatever? And of course, you have the Colorado River there, but you also have the water to be able to divert. So, yeah, two things you need. Okay, sure. And certainly, they can turn that sucker. What, what do they do if Steve shows up with his Tesla there? They just use more of the electricity from Hoover Dam to power his Tesla and not send quite as much to L.A. Okay, so they have to power up their coal plant because they're not getting the electron that damn Steve used. In <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't want to look. This is difficult. And, you know, but really, when you actually look at it, we look at the whole Operate, you know, what you have on your table with respect to producing electricity. No doubt, the one that you want to shut down is coal, if you possibly can. You keep that sucker running to only take care of the new user. Otherwise, you would shut her down. You know, there's one way to shut down coal use less electricity. All of a sudden, you show up with your Tesla and you're using more electricity. I can't shut her down. Yeah, that's a big question. Sure, there's going to be a challenge on the grid, and where does that incremental electricity come from? Absolutely, of course it is. EM is really sincere that it's all EV by 2035. It's going to have to be a bigger grid. So bigger grid. I mean, again, as we discussed a few few 
weeks ago with uh, within the summit and you go to the Lawrence Livermore energy flow charts, which to me are, you know, to, I, I look at them if I try to understand electricity and you see how much, how much energy is being used by the transportation sector, where it's coming from in Saudi Arabia. Well, not, not anymore. Maybe it's coming from, I don't know, Oklahoma, who knows, whatever, but it's oil. Okay, and you then say, "Oh my goodness, I have to get it out of some electric generation thing." I mean, the amount of electricity you need, additional electricity, is about the amount that you're currently producing. So that means I have to find another Niagara Falls. I have to find another Hoover Dam. I have to find some other power plants. I have to find some other, you know, equivalent wind generation. I have to find all that to go out and make up for the petroleum that I used to use. That is a non, talk about an infrastructure challenge. Some people have done it, right? Norway has, Norway has tremendous hydropower. Right. And and so does Quebec. Hmm. Quebec apparently has like a ton of hydropower. I mean, there's nobody there and you've got, I mean, or at least when I look at it in a, Mercator projection. I mean, there it's like huge. <laughs> no idea. But, you know, if I look at another projection, but whatever. I mean, with all that hydropower, sure, they can. But but if they start using hydropower to power their ground transportation system, they can't sell hydropower to New Jersey to run its uh, to heat its homes or to run its factories. Okay, so now New Jersey has to make up for that because they're using it in their cars. Where are we going to do it? Well, you know, I guess we're shutting down new power. I mean, whatever. I don't know. It's a big problem. It is. Another headline, Bill Alan. Gates is a big fan of uh, nuclear. And uh, yeah. back when I, you know, when we were in University Island, it's, uh, we were protesting against nukes, but... Uh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe Bill Gates is right. Nuclear is the future. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, yeah, uh, hey, uh, a lot of advances. Uh, unfortunately, we ran into Three Mile Island and, and then Chernobyl and then, and then Fukushima. And, um, you know, and that's, we cannot have a Three Mile Island. We cannot have a, a Chernobyl. We cannot have a Fukushima in what we're trying to do with mobility for these neighborhoods. So it has to work. And if we need people in there in the beginning to make sure and oversee it, to make sure that we don't have those three kind of things, then it is money well spent. We just can't continue to do that forever. At some point, we've got to get to a point in which the marginal cost of the darn thing is sustainable. And it can grow. But in the beginning, why not? You know, of course, and we shouldn't hurry to take, get them out of there. I mean, what are we trying to do? Show how strong we are. Get out of here. Okay, we're trying to get the darn thing to work. And again, I'd like to come back to, to Waymo. Waymo has done so far, as far as I can tell, a fantastic job in Arizona. I don't care that it, all of Arizona, the ODD hasn't grown the flat staff or whatever. Doesn't matter. They haven't had 
a three-mile island. They haven't had a Chernobyl. They haven't had a Fukushima, okay? They had a couple little fender benders, people running into them and saying, oh, my goodness, I thought they were going to go, and I wasn't paying attention, and I was on my cell phone, and I ran into them. Holy mackerel, it's your fault, okay? You shouldn't have been paying Don't Don't blame it on them, okay? Uber did have a Fukushima. They had Elaine Herzberg. Okay? 60 billion is what I've said many times. I think it cost them. They were expected to go out at 120. They went out at 60. The only thing that happened between those two things is Elaine Herzberg. Only thing. I mean, the only major, the only Fukushima type thing. Okay? I'm sure Waymo knows that. I'm sure sure GM Cruise knows that. I'm sure Ford Argo knows that. I'm I'm sure uh, Aurora knows that. I'm I'm sure. And if it causes them to slow down, great. Okay, because we can't afford to have those. And we'll make progress, and we'll get to a point where people say, like, like I guess Bill Gates, hey, you know, nuclear power. Or the French have said, you know, nuclear power. <laughs> Not so bad, you know? Don't know. Another related headline, Alan, to what you're talking about. Uber is licensing its ride-hailing software to three more public transit agencies. So they're finding new revenue streams. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's good for Uber and it's nice for the software, but, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, the, 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 Uber, the Uber software, the way it's used, it doesn't do any ride-sharing to any amount and if you again ride sharing is really important in this if we have to if even a computer has to chauffeur you and you have to take one of these vehicles all by yourself the way that we use our cars ourselves because because we're trying to get to someplace and we don't want to take anybody and we don't want to wait for anybody else or something like that i don't know then then you know this may not be as great of a solution. So we've got to get to a ride sharing. And I don't think that really helps the transit agencies. And, and, and in the end, who's going to be there? The Uber driver is going to be a transit worker. I mean, I can't imagine New Jersey transit and the, and the United transportation workers union, at New Jersey transit putting up with, with a whole lot of folks out there, you know, providing uh, public transit in New Jersey without being a member of the union. And, and they probably should be a member of the union. Those folks need to earn a living wage, a good wage. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it should be one of the attributes. So all of a sudden, if you, if you put that on Uber and Lyft or Uber and Lyft software, who you can't afford if you could afford to do this job paying living wages to people to do it then in fact the taxi industry would have done it a long time ago the dollar rise systems that we talked about in the 70s and 80s would have boomed and you know be be delivering 60% of the person trips in the nation but I guess, you know, one of the fundamental realities of, of, 
of mobility is if you have to pay a human, a, a living wage to a driver and you sort of want to go by yourself, 1% of the trips. I mean, that is 1% of the trips. 1% of the person trips in the U.S. today are served by transit. That includes New York City. That includes places where you can pack them in. Can't afford to do it otherwise. That system, the system that delivers that today has to be called bankrupt. Why? Because, you know, if it didn't have the continuing public subsidy, it would collapse. I mean, it's good to keep it for that 1%, I guess. I mean, that's a, that's a, political public policy decision fine it's not that expensive anyway sure do it who cares but, but you're not having you're not having a big effect henry ford with what he did and what the people did around him and so on created an economy that is essentially the other 99 percent of the trips which involves us having to go out and buy the darn thing, maintain it, drive it, charge ourselves nothing when we drive it, think that we're having a great time and whatever, and we actually enjoy it, when in fact, holy hell, it's the most dangerous thing that we do in a day. And every once in a while, when I think about it, I start to shake. Holy hell, if I go over here and just check something out, I die kidding me mad men that created this thing and set it up man boy they were good holy hell i mean hey and then when i watched uh when i watched i mentioned it before when i watched the masters last week you know mercedes amg were be being advertised i mean they were driving those things on race courses and fast and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and i thought oh man if i just go down to the showroom buy one of those i'm going to be able to do that too you yes, think they'd want to rethink those ads during the golf tournament drive at excessive speed um, yeah. yeah i mean you know as i keep saying on my damn car it says 160 miles an hour i can do on my you know and i and i and i didn't go in the showroom and bought it by a second hand because i'm cheap and whatever but you know holy man where can I do 160 miles an hour in Jersey? I have to go to a track. Okay, I'll go to a track. My GPS system knows I'm at the track. They know I'm there. They should only turn it on when I'm there. Not when I'm on the New Jersey Turnpike. Not when I'm going down Cleveland Lane in Princeton. Okay, damn it. And, 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 and Tiger Woods, you know, shouldn't have been able to go 85 miles an hour or whatever he was on that street. That car knew where it was. The system that was put in that car should have kept him from doing that. It should. And the advertising that got him to buy that car or accept it when it was given to him, I'm sure that that must have been what happened. But he accepted it. The vision that was put in his brain is like, oh, I can just go like a bat out of hell, whatever, when I'm probably on my cell phone and who knows what, scratching my butt and who knows what, picking my nose. Whose fault is that? 
Is it just tigers or is it also the car's fault and the manufacturer's fault? Because it knew. And the cars that we're going to buy tomorrow, they're going to know. Talking about that, Alan. Yeah. With the, with the cars, the last uh, couple of things I'd, I'd like to bring up quick. <laughs> Walmart is investing in GM's Cruise, yeah. autonomous vehicle subsidiary, bringing the valuation, Cruise says, to over $30 billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations to, to, to that, to Cruise for taking that concept. And <laughs> when Cruise started, I, I actually had the same concept as the do aftermarket, you know, automated driving where what am i valued at three cents <laughs> their value and whatever never mind whatever uh, that's ford okay. ford by but, the way but, alan but, but 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 on that i think it's great i think i think look uh everybody well, had knows. some great things to say about cruise yeah not only cruise but the delivering of things to our homes to places where we live why not and as i continue to say the the streets including 206, U.S. 206, and Cleveland Lane are unused between, you know, midnight and 5 a.m. There are certainly no children chasing balls. There's nobody really riding a bicycle, maybe. It is, it's a heck of a lot easier in that part of the operational design domain to get this stuff to work. So maybe Amazon can't deliver everything that I want. Oh, I'm so I'm so entitled. I deserve something in the next, you know, two hours. Okay, I'm entitled. Most of the stuff. Hey, if it was in my house by the time I woke up this morning and had fresh milk on you, know, I'd be I'd be happier than you know. So for maybe it's not all this stuff, but fifty percent of the stuff that comes to our house, it, it came, you know, by the time I got up the next morning. Would I be a happy camper? I think so. What the, would it cost Walmart or Amazon to deliver it to me autonomously with one of these autonomous things operating when there are no children, no bicyclists, no no pedestrians, essentially nobody else on the road? Holy mangrove, if we can't do it then. And as we found out in the, in, in the DARPA challenge with, with Prospect 11, actually our system, our vision system worked better at night than it did during the day. Why? Because the lights highlight the corners and corners are really important for recognition and the image recognition thing. So that's worked better at night than it did during the day. Now, I don't know whether or not Cruise's system works better at night during the day, but I bet it does. It doesn't work any worse. And hey, and, and, and the problem's easier. If, if you didn't happen to notice, Alan, Ford uh, by, is calling its upcoming hands-free driving assist system Blue Cruise. Thought that might be interesting. And it's going to be available on the F-150 and Mustang Mach-E models later this year. Those that are equipped with what Ford calls Copilot 360 Active 2.0 Prep Package. Know, interesting naming there. Interesting name. <laughs> you know, I still, you know, the ALK is now owned by Trimble. And I think they bought everything, you know, that we ever created. And and somewhere in there, I know we have a trademark on the on the word uh, on the word uh, copilot. Okay, I know we 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 do somewhere. And damn it, at some point that entity, however, 
uh, should go out and, and enforce its trademark. You know, I can't go call myself IBM something, okay? And somebody at Fortune be allowed to grab Copilot. Uh, Copilot was, damn it. I don't, oh. actually, I don't think I'm the one that came up. Somebody else came up with it. I think I wanted to call Copilot like a right. guiding angel. And they, <laughs> they blew me down on that one. Oh, Copilot, okay, that's a good second. We'll take that one. But but we, well. we trademarked that sucker. Anyway, well, that's another issue. <laughs> that's we, another we, issue. We, that, we wanna, that's another life. That's another issue. Damn it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, we need uh, to take a minute to thank our guest here, Alan. Yeah, Stephen I know. Still. We, terrific, absolutely. Terrific. Thank you so much, Stephen, for taking the time. So proud of you. So happy for you. Anyway, um, okay. uh, thank you, Steve. Great. Yeah, I enjoyed okay. it. Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks. Okay. And thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at SmartDrivingCar.com. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, really wherever you get your podcasts and you can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please stay safe. Thank you, everybody. You have a great day. Bye.